the Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bumpwitz, and welcome back to the sixth Sunday after Epiphany for the week of February 13th, 2022. And I have an exciting here announcement if you didn't catch it already. This is the 215th episode of the Faith and Science Podcast. And how I can say that so confidently is we are on Line. I have uploaded my whole back catalog over the last month plus, and in doing that, I can confidently say that this is episode 215, and I'm super excited about this whole thing. It's going to hopefully make it so it's easier for you to be able to share. I'm really hoping that you're able to subscribe and like and follow and do the comments and different things so that this makes it a little bit more accessible to more people. But also for me, it's been a labor of love over the last few years. And this is something that it's been an experience to kind of slowly go through these whole archive and just seeing how it's evolved, how things change, and also just seeing all the work kind of slowly get out. And I know that there's people who started finding it before I initially was quite ready for it to be found. So I'm super excited about this whole process. On top of that, I'll also attach links down below to a Sunday service from last week that I ended up actually talking about what I talked about two weeks ago as part of the sermon, which was super fun, that First Lutheran let me be part of that, talking about Hedy Lamar. So I'll attach those links down below. And so this is just a super exciting, this is the beginning of a couple different steps. If you haven't checked out the announcement video, kind of talking about it, I get into how we're also looking at getting a Facebook group together. I'm also debating a fan page and kind of gave some of the vision of what I'm looking at trying to do there. So it's just a big moving thing here. There's a lot of things that are still be going on behind the scenes as I slowly get things more efficient. But it's an exciting announcement. You'll probably notice here if you are still getting the email link that it's going to a website that has the podcast. So it's an exciting time for me to kind of be able to be in this position and going through this. So I'm really excited. I hope you're excited. And I hope then share it. Give feedback. I'd love to hear what this means to you. And if it's your first time, welcome. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So let's get into the question that we had for last week. The question that we had was, how often are you humble enough to let God steer you? And the difficult thing I feel like with that is a lot of us are either very talkative like myself, that we love having our ideas or even talking through our ideas. And so thus, we're trusting that the Holy Spirit is within us as we're working through and deciding through these different steps. But it's also the ones who are quieter, are they being encouraged to speak up when God is steering them? Is it that we're listening so much that we don't hear necessarily the voice of God. For me, it's probably I talk too much to not listen for the voice of God to help steer me. I think it's an interesting challenge. Being humble, being quiet, taking your time in an era, in a society that glorifies busyness and being able to make snap decisions and quick decisions, I think makes it difficult at times for us to really be able to click into listening to what God has to say to us and being able to use that to help steer us. And in a way, that question flows beautifully 
this week into where we are going with the text this week. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament text for this week is from Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 to 10. This text then talks about and clarifies how the strength that we have comes from God and it comes from putting our trust in God. If we put trust into ourselves, like it states in verse 6, it's like a shrub in the desert that has no relief. It's in parched wilderness, uninhabited salt land, places where there is nothing to drink. But yet when we trust in God, it's like we're a tree planted by water, planted by a river to be able to keep soaking that in. And then in doing that, then we are able to more look like where God is steering us to be and become more like what God is calling us to be. The psalm this week is Psalm 1, all six verses of it. And this psalm, I feel, is very much placed here for verse 3, which then ties kind of back to the Jeremiah reading that they're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. That this idea, again, of how we should be delighting in the Lord, we should spend time with the Lord, and in doing that, it helps us to be able to be fruitful in the ways that God is calling us to be fruitful, so that we're not following the ways, like it states in verse 1, of the wicked and the paths that sinners tread on, the seat of the scoffers, the places where our humanity can come up and make us skeptics, make us people that we have our own ideas, our own advice, our own ways of doing things where God is trying to give insight through the Holy Spirit to us. And it's, are we allowing that to soak in to our root system? The second reading or the New Testament text this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 to 20. This is an interesting text, and I think we have to remember a little bit of the context here of what the people are going through at this time. We have to remember this is a congregation that's not that far removed, and especially if you look back to the First Corinthians text from last week, when Paul is talking about the people who were there and how Christ had been resurrected, that he had come and spent time with people and that there was many of them who were still alive, though a few have died. But this is then kind of coming on the heels of that, talking about how just starting here in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? That if you're going to have this hypocrisy that Christ rose from the dead, but then we can't raise from the dead, it's probably also partial that they're thinking that Christ is coming back fairly soon. That Christ is coming and returning and that this is the end times are already here. And in that, then there's the question of, did Christ really raise from the dead? What is going on? And I think it's this idea, again, of we have to put trust in God. And what we'll get into a little bit more here is the cycles of God are different than the cycles that we anticipate God to be. That when in faith that we believe that Christ raised from the dead, 
means that we have to believe in the cycle and the trust in the cycle that God is running compared to what we think the cycle should be. And so thus we're misinterpreting God through the aspect that we are anticipating things faster than what God is doing. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. This is the Sermon on the Plain compared to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And it's very evident here in verse 17 that we're at that point because he came down and stood on a level place. And he has his disciples and a great multitude of people from Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Sidon. He's been doing some healing, and then he gets into his version of the Beatitudes in Luke. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are those who weep, for they will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, defame you on the count of Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to all who speak well of you, for for that is what the ancestors did to the false prophets. A lot of things to anticipate and things to be cautious of. That's how I'm going to interpret the woes. Be cautious of. And that there's this balance that we're trying to work on. And I think that's where we're going to go a little bit more this week is talking a little bit more about that balance. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. I really enjoy having three to four different seminary professors in their Working Preacher podcast, being able to talk about and discuss them different ideas on how to look at these texts, along with having commentaries from multiple different biblical scholars from all over the world. And there's a lot of other great discussions going on over there. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. Second shameless plug is for the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu. I really like this because of one, how they lay out all the text together makes it super convenient for me being able to do this podcast. But two, the thing I really enjoy is that they do have an art section. And as I've talked about before, having different artists from around the world, from throughout time that we have, really helps bring alive these texts in different ways. It's really fun to be able to look at texts and how artists have interpreted them from different sections of the world and especially different time periods. And it gives you a different feel and sometimes even a different opinion of a text just looking through those eyes of an artist. So if you haven't checked out the lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend that. Finally, I'll say if you haven't checked out The Chosen, it's worth it. I am slowly getting into it, and the bits and pieces that I've seen, I've really, really enjoyed. It's super fun to see something like this go on, where we're taking Jesus' ministry, making it into a seasons-long thing instead of a single movie or show, and being able to really even contribute if you want. Since it's a crowdfunded project, they have gotten the funds for season three, so we will get the Sermon on the Mount 
to start season three as that will release right before Christmas. Let's dig into these Beatitudes a little bit. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are people hate you, exclude you, revile you, defame you on the count of Son of Man. But woe to you who are rich, you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will hunger. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. These opposites, this balance that we feel in this text, the weighing back and forth. And I think in a lot of ways, especially because then we also have this in Matthew's Beatitudes, there's a reason to me that there is this balance. And I think it also shows a lot of the character of God. Because when we start really thinking about this, the world is designed around cycles. Like we, especially in the northern of the northern hemispheres or the southern of the southern hemispheres, see that there are a season cycle, that there is changes that happen throughout the year, that this is something that we all experience. There's different biological cycles where we watch a tree grow and die and return to the earth. And there's a cycle to that. And I think one of the easier ones that it's really easy for us to envision and has been studied decently well is the lynx and snowshoe hare cycle. And this cycle was first really shown during the French fur traders when they came over into the North America and started setting up their fur trading posts and doing trades with the Native Americans. And when that happened, they started to notice that there was... About an 8 to 11 year cycle of when you would be getting more snowshoe hare pelts and when you would get more lynx pelts. And we're noticing that their population trends were closely associated together. The snowshoe hare population would maybe be a couple years ahead of the lynx population. So as the snowshoe hare population increased, so did the lynx population because there's more food, which is their favorite food to eat, that, I mean, lynx typically, when things are plentiful, will eat two hares every three days. So they're more hares to eat means that you can have more survivorship of young to be able to have an increased population. Well, at some point, as we've talked about before, we hit carrying capacity for the snowshoe hares. There's too many predators. There's not enough food. They start dipping off, which means it's very difficult for those lynx to survive. Some are going to die then of hunger. And so they're going to return back to the earth in that way and as the snowshoe hares there's less population they're going to increase again which then allows for more links to survive and i can attach some links down below talking about this cycle and just even showing some of these different graphs but how does this then tie to the beatitudes in luke's beatitudes when we're looking at this, I was really struck by, blessed are you who are hunger now, for you will be filled. And I'm thinking about, okay, think about a snowshoe hare. They're getting, they're at a high populations, they're getting slaughtered by lynx, there's not a ton of population. If they're able to get through that, that 
next year or two, there will be plenty of food, thus being able to increase their population. And we all know that in life, there are peaks and valleys of life, right? Where we are weeping instead of laughing because things are hard. If we look back even a couple generations, when we look back to the Great Depression, when we look back to World War II, there was plenty of weeping. And even in our lives, I look back to 9-11, there was plenty of weeping around that time. And we've all gone through at different forms and different phases of our lives where we've been persecuted or had people not include us or where we felt left out. And again, this the reassurance that God is with us and walking alongside us. And so I think it's one of those things where it's very helpful to be able to recognize that our world is designed around cycles. I mean, talking about even listening to your local weather and you have the weatherman talking about we're hitting into this type of winter cycle or we're heading into this longer cycle here of xyz we know that we've even talked about in this podcast plenty migration cycles we've had times where we're talking about aurora borealis which is an electromagnetic changes and there's a little bit of a cycle that goes along with that where we figured out where different sun flares can help over a period of time having more photons to be able to change the electro fields here around the earth it's a cycle that we have noticed and how that then responds but the thing that i get really bugged with is when we start looking at something like the beatitudes out of luke or matthew or even heck, Mark has his short version of these. We like being human and saying that this is just written about us. And I think this then, we need to expand it in two different ways. First, I would argue this is a great environmental text. Because if this is true, but woe or watch or be careful if you are rich, for you have received your consolation. Be careful if you are full now, for you will hunger. Be careful if you are laughing now, because there will be a time where you mourn and weep. Woe, be careful when everyone's speaking well of you, because that's what happened to the false prophets. Are we not full now as a species? For the most part, that we're working on trying to figure out how everyone is fed, right? There's still hunger that goes on within the human population, and we produce enough food to be able to get that to those places. We are trying to figure out a distribution problem to be able to share that food around. I would also argue that we're very rich, even the ones who are monetarily rich, because we're living and using these resources that the earth is giving to us. And we've even talked about before, again, how we're running out of resources, whether we realize it or not. There's limited resources that we are burning through, sometimes literally, sometimes more figuratively. And we talk about how great our innovation is, how great as a human species, we're making things for ourselves. These are the things that we are supposed to be careful of. These are the things that we're supposed to be watchful of because there are other things here that we need to be considering. We are not the only thing of God's creation. 
is God's creation in the place where they are blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed if you're hungry now for you will be filled again. Blessed are you who are weeping over the loss because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, revile you, defame you, take from you on the account of being part of the Son of Man for you will reap a reward later. I would argue that in a lot of ways, we're as a human species much more in the woe section than we are in the blessed section because we have to look, I think, beyond the human species and look that there's a lot of sections around us that are screaming red alert. And we've talked about that plenty in these podcasts before, talking about how the environment around us is really suffering. But I think it's also realizing that a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily one single lifetime that things are going through this. Yes, we're going to have these cycles within our own lives that it's a faster cycle. There's some that we'll notice over a couple generations that are up and down throughout a family. But we also have to remember that God, I think for sure, works on a much different time scale than we do. And that's where you can really bring in like the First Corinthians text. God is working at a different time scale than we do. And we haven't figured out entirely what that cycle is. But what we can see is based off of, and I'll attach some links down below to even just lists of different cycles that we know about here on earth, God works in cycles. God likes this whole circular cycle idea. It makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways that things keep being naturally recycled through, that it maintains itself. We just haven't seen the whole cycle of God. We've been told what the end is. We've been told when God comes back and brings everyone home, when God does what he's telling us to do. But again, Jesus even stated, I do not know when my return is going to be. We don't know when that completion of that cycle will be. We're still mid-cycle. And just like the snowshoe hare in Canadian lynx population, and that it took time for us to realize and see and know that cycle and be able to really study it, we haven't gotten through the whole cycle yet. To be able to really see the whole cycle, to know how this works. What we keep getting told is that we have to trust, we have to continue to listen and lay into God, to have that trust so that we're not blown away with the chaff, which comes out of the psalm, chaff being the waste product of wheat in the stock, that we're left behind as the actual grains of wheat, which then can be used in bread and various different products, but it could actually grow on other stock. Chaff is just there for protection, but it's just a waste product. It becomes fertilizer for the plant. I think on a lot of times, this is a great text to really bring up how privileged in a lot of ways we have been. And are we going to recognize and look at the world around us? Is it in the same way responding, feeling blessed? Or is it more in the place where it is needing to be blessed? And I argue in a lot of the environment, it's arguing, it's complaining, it's saying, I need a blessing, I need some relief, I need some help, I need some recognition. I need not to be taken advantage of. And are we as people going to recognize that? Are we as Christians going to acknowledge this? Are we then going to go through 
sacrifices to be able to recognize that this is for the betterment of us in the long run, even though it hurts right now. Because Jesus, even before this, is doing healings. But then he's trying to lay out something that's more long-lasting. He's laying out something of, yes, I healed you right now, but what is that really doing for you? Yes, it allows you to be able to do different things and allows you to maybe become part of society again. But I'm looking at society as a whole. I'm looking at a much bigger one. I'm on even ground with you. I'm right here in the boat with you. What does this mean? The question I have for you this week is, have you considered nature being part of the Beatitudes? And if you haven't, how does that change your outlook of the Beatitudes? I think for me, it really opens up the possibility of us really looking around us and really observing not only where humans are going through difficult things, but opens up our eyes to the greater creation that God has also made for us to be tenders of, to be observant. And being observant, I would argue, we would see more God because we're forcing ourselves to be observant. And in being observant, we are then being humble enough to recognize that God is there to be able to understand where God is steering us, bringing us back to last week. I think that's the place where God is wanting us to be able to be, to be in a little bit of awe at different times of what God has done for us instead of just realizing that this is here for the taking, not just seeing this as I'm rich now because I have this, being able to see no i've been blessed with this how do i take care of all of this it's a reverse mindset it's understanding that we are as much tied to the environment as the environment is tied to us we cannot survive without it and it has some dependence on us also there are plenty of plants and animals that have adapted to us being around them are we allowing ourselves to understand that connection and i think that is a beatitude that I can get my head around. It's going to be hard, but I enjoy a challenge. Do you? So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.